Hello and welcome to the Hard Ball Gets podcast. This is the AFLW takeover, completely packed for work and the weekend. This podcast is brought to you by the new Mazda BT50 SP, the complete package. Let's get into it. Hello, we're back for another week. We've got another another new member of the podcast we'll introduce in a second, but Amy phoning in again this week, school camp. What's going on there? Yes. Yes, about to go to uh, Yanchim National Park tomorrow, so um, just getting, putting the final touches on uh, their preparation before we head out for a couple of days. Is it the sort of camp where you play the Richmond theme song and tie people to trees and stuff, or is it a bit more scaled back? I hope it's nothing like the Adelaide pre-season camp uh, for the men. So you wouldn't want to be on that uh, um, on that camp. But, no, it's pretty easy. The, the kids are very anxious, but uh, not a difficult camp. So we'll wait and see. And to the podcast this week, we're going to introduce Jackson Barrett, member of the West Sport team, um, filling in for Jen Wallace while she's on holiday. But Jackson, expert in AFLW and expert in how to get a ring in for a podcast. You seem to be the, the go-to guy. Yeah, just coming off the bench, which is fantastic. Um, don't really, yeah, jack of all trades, master of none, maybe. Uh, but no, very good to be on, uh, Eliza, Amy. Uh, Amy, I hope no best-selling biographies come out of your school camp um, and all goes well. But good to have you. Good to have you on. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, big week coming up. Obviously, Derby week. We'll get to that a bit later. But let's recap the round that was kicking off with the two-minute warning. Starting off with North Melbourne defeating Geelong by 16 points. Yeah, they looked pretty sharp, North Melbourne, didn't they? So another win in Tasmania, which they sort of just keep racking up at the moment. Um, that could be a big story over the next few weeks, footy in Tasmania. But a couple of goals to Vicky Wall and they get the job done. But it's a cat that I want to speak about this week. Georgie Prasparkas having some season already, just her second year in the comp. Uh, Eliza Youngest player to rack up 30 or more disposals in a game, which is super, super impressive. And I think it begs the question, her sister's doing some pretty good things at Essendon this year, uh, but who has the better career? Is it Maddie or is it Georgie at this stage? <sighs> this is, of course, a, is a, a throw forward. Throw forward. Alright, let's, let's put like five years on it, five years down the track. I my gut feel is it's still going to be Maddie. Like she's yep. a, she's already a league best and fairest, a rising star. She just seems to be taking her game back to that level we've expected from her at Essendon in her first season there. She sort of dropped off a bit towards the end of her time at Carlton. Amy, Amy, you, what do you think? I think it's Maddie for mine. Yeah, I think I think I'm Maddie too. I think she's cleaner with the ball. Um, I mean, but obviously the season that Press Parkers Georgie is having, averaging 25, 21 and a half disposals. Um, and 7.8 tackles. That's that's pretty amazing for a young, you know, only in her second season, only 19 years old. So um, she's definitely putting it up to her sister and um, it's a good competition to have in the AFLW, I think. See which one's the better. We can keep rolling along with that one, I think. I like the two-way running aspect of Georgie as well, which is I, I think is something you can um, sort of fall back on a little bit. Like obviously not quite as clean with the ball and, and lacks that experience. But if you've got that work rate, it's certainly something that you can lean on in the early stages of a career. I really like, I love the story of Maddie going 
to Essendon, obviously an Essendon fan growing up. So I really love that sort of romance of the expansion. That's been one of the really great things. But what she's done this year is a little bit more scoreboard impact as well. So a goal a game, which we know that the best midfielders average sort of upwards of half a goal a game. So I really like that. Not a prolific goal scorer in previous years, but started that really well and is something that um, potentially Georgie could um, look towards as well, adding, adding that element to her game. All right, Eagles defeated GWS for their second win of the season. Amy, what did you think? Yeah, um, seven-point winners. Um, surprising game, I think. Um, GWS had 10 more inside 50s um, than the Eagles, but the Eagles seemed to, to work well forward. Whenever they got it forward, they seemed to eventually score. Um I just, you know, the Eagles' pressure was up well from last week. So last week they were really embarrassing and disappointing and I think their pressure really increased this week. And um, I think Ella Roberts obviously getting into the midfield and finding her feet in there. I think as we talked about before her being such a dominant force up forward and they need her up forward, but I think they're at that stage at the moment where they need their best players um, to be around the ball and, and clearing it out, and, and she is one of those. And I think she's just really just increasing and improving her performance um, week on week. Amy, where do you see her in the long run? Obviously, they've got this midfield that we sort of hope will be able to build around Ella coming up in that, that sort of crop of players. But do you hope in the long run that they are able to park her forward where she sort of played significantly as a junior? Yeah, I think um, she's so good by foot, um, both on both feet. Like you don't see many of that in the um, AFLW competition. That girls that can can kick well on both feet, and I think having that in a fair forward line is obviously very dangerous. But at the moment, they've got some older players in there that in the next couple of years are, are going to slowly find their way out of there and not be as damaging. So um, with the list that they have, I think they can't afford not to have her in the midfield. Dusty Martin of the women's in a couple of years' time, just that split role. But I thought she was gone for all money when she tried to go for that hanger and hit her head on the deck. That gave me severe flashbacks to a few weeks ago. Not that we're going to relive my trauma again, but I thought she, she got back up and she played out the game. That was amazing. Yeah, she's, she's young. You know, they got, they got smaller brains when they're younger. Isn't that right? <laughs> Jesus, whack on Ella. <laughs> All right, uh, Suns v Saints, that's me. So Saints, no, Suns got off in this one by 14 points, which is a little bit unexpected because um, the Saints have been tracking along fairly well. But it's kind of similar to what we were speaking about earlier with the Prosperka sisters. I feel like there's like a bit of a changing of the guard happening across the whole AFLW. Um, Stars sort of handing that baton over to the next generation. Charlie Rowbottom's the one in this game for me. She was the third youngest player to get 30 or more dis- touches um, behind Georgie from Geelong. But she really runs hard into a defence and attack, nine tackles, six clearances, also robbed of the rising star last year, in my humble opinion. But I feel like the people like Erin Phillips, Emma Carney, Kiara Bowers, they've all been fantastic players, one league in best and fairest. But I feel like this younger generation is really coming to the fore now. Um, and you see what they're capable of when they play footy their whole junior careers yeah they seem to like love the contest so charlie was just a monster around the stoppages on the weekend and and she's a bigger body she's taller she's stronger she's sort of that you know look at patrick cripps winning the Brownlow last night she's sort of that type of player they can can take the game on and actually make it um change it her way so um i, I agree i think it's good for the game um that these young girls are starting to find their feet and, and starting to to 
take their position um, over those other girls that have been those mainstays for so long. Um, and it's good to see um, Howarth as well with her best game, I think, of the season. She had 20 dis- two disposals and two goals. So they just spread really well and the Saints couldn't defend them. Is there a little bit more sort of instinct and football nous in these girls that have been in academies at early stages and been through state systems and stuff, as opposed to the girls that might have there might be a fifteen or five year chunk missing in the formative years of their career? Is there a little bit more um, intuition with these girls? Definitely, like I think, and you'll start to see it probably in the next three or four years with the next crop of girls coming up as they're starting to have that that football brain and football nous, whereas the other girls had to learn and had to learn the game backwards almost whereas these girls are learning from that young age and hopefully we see um that development in terms of um how we move the ball and game plans and that hopefully evolve as well feel like Kiara Bowers is going to win another derby medal this weekend now that I've written her off and called her washed up <laughs> um looking at Port Adelaide in Sydney Jackson fairly one-sided yeah, so Port Adelaide looked really sharp, which is great. I think they've been one of the um, the really good stories again from this year. They've recruited really well. Um, they obviously had that draw. They now get their they now get their win, and really impressed that they're sort of finding options with Gemma Houghton on the sidelines as well. So that's a a really big boost for them. And it's it's uh, Derek, isn't it? Really, so averaging seven and a half disposals, seven tackles, which are just massive numbers, um, and really serious case now early stages or sort of getting towards the mid part of the season but for the Rising Star Award there, there's plenty of good ones and, and Hannah Ewings who I think kicked three um, she's in the mix as well but 24 touches and 14 tackles 14 tackles is a monstrous midfield day for, for Abby Dowrick so that was super super impressive um, how does she sort of stack up with a few of these other nominees that was sort of the that was a big performance from her wasn't it yeah, definitely, and I think like it was huge by her, like, and it just shows what she's capable of, and and she's been uh, able to do that for so long, but she just didn't get the opportunity until this season, and we're seeing how important she is to the Port Adelaide team, and I I see her as a clear favourite for the Rising Star at the moment. I mean, Montana Ham came had a good comeback um, game with you know twenty disposals, but um, I think Abby just shows a different force to that Port Adelaide team that helped them out. And Montana Ham, a really good story while we're on it as well. That was the big thing that we wanted to avoid in the first month of the season, given the short turnaround, was these serious knee injuries. We thought she might have been the victim of one, but she's back in a rising star nominee, which was announced about an hour ago as well. So uh, one of two for the round. So that's really good for Sydney, who uh, have a little bit to do, obviously. They were goalless this weekend. Um, but Montana Ham, number one pick, you just need those sort of girls out on the park regularly when you're trying to build a group. I reckon it's a battle between Ewings and Dowrick for mine, but looking at Fremantle and Carlton now, a draw, another draw. Carlton's second draw in as many weeks, um, but I want to take a bit of a look at Frio again, which we have come to do in the first four rounds of the season. Um, how much are the impact of the off-field changes having at Fremantle in this poor start to the season? I mean, they lost their head of strength and conditioning, who they rated very highly in Kate Starr. And it's maybe impacting their ability to run out games. It might be a bit of mix of that and lack of confidence. But they also completely turned over their assistant coaches due to work commitments, um, lost all three line coaches. It, it just seems like I don't know how much you can blame for something like that, but it just seems like the perfect storm of everything's going wrong at Freo. 
<laughs> I don't know how I can comment on that being part of that uh, adjustment. But, um, yeah, like obviously there are changes and there's lots of personnel changes too. They, they lost some key experience. Um, players at the early start of the season and they've got a lot of new people that are, are new to footy. You look at Megan Kaufman, which is you know a stunning story in terms of how well she's going and another strong performance on the weekend, but um, they're just, they, I think they lack that confidence and lack that um, you know, sort of now to know how to um, close out games um, and adjust to when things change and um, you know, they were really actually lucky to draw in the end after a you know, we call it a dubious free kick to, to on your tie, but she could have sort of sealed the game and, and she didn't, but that was, you know, probably appropriate to, to the rest of that last quarter, especially. How much of it's a fitness thing as well? Because I thought sort of in the bit I saw after half time, there just weren't as many numbers around the contest and run and carry sort of shut down a little bit and they, they looked pretty cooked towards the end of that game. Is there a fitness aspect as well? I know obviously um, Kate Starr is gone as well from the conditioning side of things, how does how much does that play in? I think a few of them too um, have had quite interrupted pre-seasons, um, so that has affected their ability to have that full running pre-season. And, um, you know, that, that happens to all clubs um, and they're trying to find that way out of that. But I think also that Carlton adjusted in that second half um, so Moody dominated hitouts. Um, she ended up with forty. It was forty-two to twenty-four. The ledger with that hitouts, and I think um, Frio didn't adjust in the midfield, and they became defensive, and they didn't like they were weren't able to capitalise on Moody's advantages. So um, whether they were too defensive and they allowed the ball out the back too often, I don't know. Um, but I think the improvement comes from you know they had twenty-one inside fifty tackles, so their pressure was good. Um, they just, as you said, did, did they lead out at the end in that second half, especially that last quarter? Is that fitness or is it, um, you know, the ability to understand where the game's at and how to win the game? And Trent Cooper's also conceded the club's no longer thinking about finals, so all's going well at Fremantle. Um, taking a look at <laughs> the whole... good place to be. Yeah, good place to be. We're not thinking about finals anymore. <laughs> Hawks taking on the Bulldogs, Jackson. Um, Bulldogs got up by 30 in that one. Yeah, four and zip dogs. Um, so an awesome start to the season. That The calibre of opposition you could maybe question. So GWS put Adelaide, Fremantle we now know a little bit more about again and Hawthorne this weekend. Um, four and zip though, your, your every chance of making finals. Had, uh, plenty would have to go wrong from here, not to. Um, really looking forward to their test against North Melbourne when that comes about it'll be the first real big challenge for them how sort of seriously we are we taking these Bulldogs you can certainly only only beat who's in front of you um, but they probably haven't been really stretched yet they've had a few of the expansion sides and the struggling Dockers what do we sort of make of their season yeah for me I think yeah it'll it'll be this weekend we really sort of get that clear picture I think like you said the the cattle they've faced isn't exactly exceptional and I think they only beat the Giants by a kick in round one so for a Giants side that's probably not going to be up there in that finals race um I think this weekend is the is a massive one, and if they can get close, um, they're they're a young, they're an exciting side. That's probably where their list profiles out. Um, so they may do some damage in finals, but they may as well be one of those teams who gets knocked out week one. We don't really know. Yeah, and it's interesting because they they have a really strong midfield group, you know, um, with Lamb and Blackburn um, leading the way in there, and obviously Pritchard having a really good start to the season. So. Um, 
most of their goals on the weekend came from their midfield group. So, you know, we don't know what that forward line is going to look like when that midfield is a bit more under pressure from a stronger team, um, how they're going to sort of respond to that. It'll be interesting when they play a bit more of a contender. Just quickly on the Hawks, are we still upbeat about their future <coughs> a month in, having seen a bit of exposed form from some of their youngsters? I think Jasmine yeah, the youngsters, Fleming, yeah. Yeah. They, Jasmine yeah, Fleming shown a bit, Tamara Smith shown a bit so far, two real finds in the midfield there. So I think the thing is the kids are prepared to work really hard. They, they don't really drop their heads when they get smashed, so it's a good sign. Yeah, we'd have to agree there. Craig McRae would be thrilled. <laughs> Collingwood taking on Adelaide Amy. The Crows got up by five. Yeah, another interesting game. I feel like I'm a broken record every week with Adelaide talking about um, their efficiency inside 50. As a forward line coach, I'd probably be tearing my hair out um, trying to work out what was what was letting them down. But if they keep winning. They keep winning. They keep um, staying on top. They're, you know, they're obviously not too concerned, but... Um, they had 36 inside 50s for only two goals, nine. So 11 scoring shots. Um, obviously inefficient in front of goal, which is it's okay when they've got the pressure there and, and they're a really good defence um, with Adele there. She had an awesome last quarter in terms of um, with some intercept marks. But I feel like they start to come against, you know, um, will that stack up against the likes of Brisbane? 26 disposals for Hatchard as well, but zero goals, three. So she really could have sort of franked an, an excellent, excellent game, but was one of those that was a little bit wayward. Yeah, it's just for me, it's just, you know, like um, you've got Brisbane scoring phenomenal scores every week at the moment. Um, and when it comes to finals time, their pressure is there, Adelaide. So they're going to stay in the game. But I think to, to be a phenomenal force, they've got to be able to score in front of goal and, and get something from their scores. And at the moment... It's not quite there, but I don't think they'd be disappointed um, considering they're close to the top of the ladder. So, What about Ash Brazel? Just casually wins a Com Games gold earlier this year, rocks up midway through the well, in the early rounds of the season and suddenly back in this side, in this Collingwood side. I mean, I'd love to be good at one sport, let alone two. <laughs> yeah, very true. I, um, but you also saw her influence. Um, you, you can tell... The games get better when the best players are playing. We talk about the best players playing and how much difference that they have um, compared to those young girls that aren't quite at the level that's required. Um, and those girls come in and, and you know they, everything slows down for them. So we need those players playing in order for the AFLW to be something to watch and something exciting to watch. And I think she's part of that. So it's nice to have her back. Amy, we'll stick with you here. Richmond got up by two points over Essendon. Yes, um, very high-pressure game, um, very sloppy conditions, obviously about uh, normal Melbourne conditions of four seasons in one day. Um, my question is, can we not get these games in stadiums? Um, they're available. They were available over the weekend. And, you know, to, to watch a game that has a camera angle that you can't see because it's got raindrops all over it, um, do we not – is that sort of showing our competition or – making our competition a bit of a farce if we can't even watch from a certain camera angle. I also think the first instalment of the Dreamtime concept in AFLW would have been the perfect candidate for a game at Docklands as well. Under the roof, you could have made it quite a spectacle and some really good players going about it between these two sides. And, you know, the the um, game was probably affected by the conditions a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And um, uh, but going on actual our performance 
Monique Conti again, just showing her dominance in stoppages. Um, she was a big difference, but I think a massive difference having Katie Brennan back as a target. We saw Wakefield kick two purely, I think, because she got the second best defender. So she was able to have a bit more time and space and, and Brennan allowed that for her. So that's how they got their, more of their goals than they have in previous weeks. She's going to win the league, best and fairest, isn't she, Mon, <coughs> at the moment? Bit of talk. Yeah, yeah I think she's my favourite. Uh, she's been consistent. Amy, what did you think of the move to play Steph Kane on it? Is is tagging girls like Conti something that we should see a little bit more of? I feel like in some of these sides, if you can get to a play like that, you can have a real, real impact on, on their stoppage game, which is where so much of footy is won. Is that something you'd like to see more of? I think so, but I think it also needs to be taught in the clubs. I yep. think um, just sticking a girl on that, that is a good player to try and nullify another good player sort of takes away from your own game and your own game plan. So I think there definitely is a need for those taggers, you know, the Ryan Crowley's and the Cameron Ling going back a long time ago. But um, you need to train some of those girls in your squad to be able to do that because I think that's where we need to go going forward um, is some players need to be able to play that and have the football now to be able to because it's not just go and play on that player it's like how do I play on them and what do I do in order to stop them having an influence it's a really good point because it's a it's a week's worth of it's a week's worth of research isn't it uh, and also you need to be that sort of defensive minded player and you don't want to sacrifice the out the output of someone who could have an impact for your side rounding yeah. things out with the final game with the round uh, Lions got up by 15 points over Melbourne at Casey nobody beats the demons at Casey I, I did not expect this working going into it but <laughs> Brisbane that's probably the most ominous sign yet that they're outright premiership favorites or at least in my book um, they snapped a five game losing streak against the demons they went down to Casey and won um, which we said nobody nobody wins at Casey um, but just they grit to never be out of games. I think Melbourne kicked the first three in this one and then Brisbane just slowly clawed, chipped back until they kicked three in the last quarter themselves. Any of you taking any other team for the Premiership at the moment or is it is it Brisbane? No, they look pretty good. No. I also get the impression they're the team that's handled the um, shorter pre-season and the quick turnaround the best because they were straight out of the gates. They were brutal against Freo in round one and then they've just kept building and where we're watching some teams like the Dockers drop away, they're clawing their way back into games like they did on the weekend. And I think for them, fortunately enough, they were able to keep the main part of their group. So they didn't lose, like Craig Starcevich talked about, worrying about losing a lot of players, and they actually retained more than I think they had hoped for. So I think that helped with their consistency going forward. And then obviously capping off, you know, a prelim final exit, they'll probably be pretty disappointed with that. So they had that running for them. But I think they're scary good to even put on a score of 42 at Casey Fields, um, myself knowing how difficult it is to play at that ground, um, I think, you know, and without Taylor Harris and Jordan Ivey, two of their best players, um, as in Melbourne had them, do we think that change would have changed anything? I think so. I think Taylor Harris is, you know, we know what she's done, tall, key target, but then again, it was kind of slippery, so I don't know how much of an impact she would have had, but at least if she's not marking in in those conditions, she's still bringing it to ground. and Takes a good defender as well. Takes a good defender. So I think it definitely changes things, but I'm just I'm just so big on Brisbane, and I also want to cancel Casey Fields. That's the two things I get out of this. <laughs> I like what you're thinking. <laughs> 
All right, that's the nine matches for the round. Before we go, big game on Thursday day, um, the Derby West Coast taking on Fremantle. Want to get some tips in a moment, but first of all, West Coast have their tails up. Fremantle are just baps, absolutely battling for confidence. Could this be one of the closest derbies in some time, Amy? I think so. Like, I think um, on paper... And I think Fremantle should well and truly win this game. But I think also in terms of confidence and worrying about uh, the opponent that they're coming against in West Coast, um, they've never had any real challenge against West Coast other than in that wet game. Uh, was it last year, the season before? I think it was Whichever one it was. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, but potentially the forecast looks like rain um, on Thursday and quite a little bit of it so um yeah like i'm still tipping the dockers i still think they can get over the line but i think it will be a much closer contest than we've seen in a long time it's good for wa footy though to have our two teams as much as west coast have been the little sisters they could (laughs) they could swing back this this week yeah i i I think they can and it just depends on their intent and their pressure um around the contest i think the game's going to be we always talk about it, but one in the midfield so because um, they're pretty evenly matched um, in terms of who's in that midfield. But I can I like your tip of uh, Kiara Bowers for the medal again. Uh, I think she's just rising. Huge game last week um, and didn't get the chocolates, but I think this week she'll she'll ha- be having a point to prove. I think Jackson, who wins? I've got Freo by a kick, so a close <laughs> one. Haley Miller for the medal. I just think a little bit. You're right, Amy. That game will be one in the midfield, absolutely. And I think there's just a touch more firepower in that Dockers side. And I also think point to prove factor is going to be a big one. Um, whether it comes from Trent Cooper, or it, um, it's more intrinsic. I think there's a bit of a rocket up Fremantle this week, and um, they need to get the job done. I'm going to tip the Dockers as well, only marginally, I think, by about a kick. I can't I'm a little bit hesitant there. Yeah, we're all, we're all not very confident at all, a bit like the Dockers at the moment um, on field. But anyway, it should be a belter, WA footy, Adopter Stadium. Get down there if you can, public holiday. Mourn the Queen, um, but get check out a bit of footy as well. All right, that's it for the two-minute warning this week. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a thing. Completely packed for work and the weekend, this podcast was brought to you by the new Mazda BT50 SP, the complete package. Thanks heaps. We'll see you next week.